church anywhere? Because a lot of people, they'll, they'll, one day out of the year, they might go. And this might be that Sunday, the next, next week. Because they know a lot of other people that are strangers will show up too, right? So invite somebody this week. Uh, best way I know to invite somebody is not only just invite them by word of mouth, but offer to pick them up. And uh, tell them we have two services at 9 and 11. And it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you know, to get to the resurrection, Jesus had to go through the cross. And when he said, and from the Gospel of John, I know he said other things at the cross, but we're going to focus today on what he said in the, in the Gospel of John when he said, the last words he said were three words. It is finished. It is finished. This morning, I, I want to ask you something. Any, anybody ever have a project that you needed to get finished? A lot of you, you've had big projects, little projects, it doesn't matter. A lot of them had to do with your boss. He gave you something to do and he gave you a deadline to finish it, right? And man, you're working and you're sweating and you're slaving and you're having to do this and this and this. And you have goals set. You've got these things you've got to read and these things you've got to build or whatever it is that project is. Or maybe it's in school and you've got to finish a thesis or something. But man, you're working and you're sweating. And boy, when you get through with it and you're finished with it, when you're done with it, what do you do? You went, wow, it's finished. It's finished. And man, you, you're like, man, you can go rest. You can go relax. Well, here's the thing. When Jesus went to the cross, and when he said it is finished, he took his last breath. He didn't take another breath and go, wow, it's over with. He took his last breath and said, I give it up. And to, his, to your spirit, Lord, I, commend, I, I give my spirit to you at this moment. In one gospel, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God looked away because he was covered with our sin. But I want us to focus on these three words today. Say it with me. It is finished. Now, before we can get to the it part, what, what, it, what the it is, <laughs> say what the it is. Before we get to what the it is, we've got to understand what finished means. So if, if you just read that and go in the English word and finish, wow, that's really cool. It's finished. But I want you to, I want to we're going to go to the Greek. I want to teach you a couple of Greek words today. So you all ready for some Greek? Yeah, you're ready for some Greek. The word that we use for finished in, in our English language, the Greek word is teleo. Say teleo. 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 Okay, that's really good O. Here's what it means. Who's, who groaned when I said that? Here's what that means. Because it means a whole lot more than what we think. It means to bring to a close, to finish, to end, past, finished, to perform, execute. I got stopped right there when I'm doing the word study. When you've executed something, you've completed it. And I thought, hmm, wasn't Jesus executed? He was executed on the cross. That was part of the completion, guys. Complete, fulfill, so that the thing done corresponds to what has been said or the order or the command with special reference to the subject matter to carry out the contents of a command. So when you tell your, your son or your daughter, this is what I want you to do, and you give them specific detailed plans of what you want them to do. Because listen, if you say, I want you to clean your room, they, might not, they may misinterpret that to be next week. Right? So if you give your kids specific details, like, I want you to clean your room before I get home tonight at 6 p.m. It needs to be picked up and cleaned. That's different. So when you give a command, it says Jesus was given a command, and he completed it. He had a, a commandment was given to him, and he completed it. 
with reference also to the form to do just as commanded and generally involving the notice of time to perform, listen to this, to perform the last act which completes a process. Wow. He completed the last act which completed the process. Now you're thinking, well, that wasn't the last act, Pastor. Maybe, maybe not. Here's the thing. His last act on the cross was to die, right? God raised him back up. He came specifically, he came from heaven to earth to become sin for us, to die on, our, on the cross in our place. He became sin for us, and when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Now, I believe this. Jesus is the greatest prophet that ever lived. Time had nothing on him. He knew the future. He knew the past. He knew it all. And so when he speaks and say, when he says, it is finished, listen, we're going to go back to some scriptures very quickly. It shows you that he spoke that many years before uh, many months before and the day before. So go with me to uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Because Jesus was speaking. He could say it's finished when we wouldn't think it's finished. Right? And all this is going to come around and get you at the end. All right? Mark eight thirty one, And he, this Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed. After three days to rise again, and he spoke this word openly. Now, this was early on in his ministry, guys. He was telling people, I'm going to be killed. I want to be handed over to some people. They're going to kill me, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He knew his purpose. He knew his purpose. John 17, 4, this is the day of. This is when he's doing his last teachings to all the disciples. The day of. John 17, 4 says, I have glorified you. He's talking about his father. He said, I've glorified you, Father, on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Had he completed it yet? Not really. But in the prophetic voice of Jesus Christ says, I have finished the work. He already knew his purpose. He was not afraid to go to the cross. Even though he prayed in the garden like we talked about last week, he knew where he was going. He knew what he had to do. Amen? And thank God he did it. Because if he didn't, we would still be punished for it. Woo! We'd have to go kill some cattle all the time. Right? Seriously. He's a lamb. He's a perfect lamb. So this morning, as we look at what Jesus spoke from his mouth, it is finished. I want us to dig into that just a little bit. What is the it that he completed? Okay, so look at Luke chapter 4. Now, I want you to I want to set some background for this. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, it's very early in his ministry. Man, it's like the beginning of his ministry. It's the day he walks down. He sees John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan. He comes out of the water. Jesus comes out of the water. The heavens open. The Father said, I'm sending my Holy Spirit upon my son to begin this ministry. He said, that's my son whom I am well pleased. And he went immediately to, to fast and pray for 40 days before he met Satan head on. Remember that? The very first thing that Satan came at Jesus with was, you say you're the son of God? You see, the enemy will always come against what the word, what God, who he says you are, the, the enemy will always try to counter that and say, you're not that. That's why you've got to know the word. You've got to know your identity in Christ this morning. So he goes and, and he's, he's, uh, he's fasted and prayed. He's met the, the enemy. And then he goes. He, he goes to town. He goes to the synagogue. And it says this is something he did all the time. And so he walks into the synagogue. Let's pick it up in verse 16. Jesus came. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Now, think about this, guys. This is Mary's son. This is Joseph's son. This is the carpenter's boy. 
He's grown up. He's about 30 years of age. That's the beginning of ministry for most rabbis at the age of 30. And he's walking in, and it's just like he's come to church as usual. Here comes Jesus. Oh, I guess it's Jesus' turn to read the scriptures today. And he had done this many times before. It was his habit. They did this before. But today was different. Today was different. Listen to what he says. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. You think that was, an ex- was, was a mistake? I don't think so. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Woo! The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent to me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he did this, guys. What did he do? He closed the book. Listen, when he says it's finished, he closes the book. That's a great reference. And just to show you, that day he said these things are going to be fulfilled. Look what he, what he said after that. Then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down. And all the eyes of all the synagogue were, were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Many times he had come, many times he had read, and this day all the, all the people, all those stuck-up religious folks and with the funny hats on, man, they're sitting there and they think that's Mary's boy, that's Joseph's boy, he's just a carpenter's son, and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You see, he's quoting himself because he is the Word. He's quoting himself there. Huh? We say he's quoting Isaiah, but he's quoting himself because he is the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he's coming, he's opening, he said, this is me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Holy Spirit has come upon me. He has anointed me. And this is what he anointed. He was anointed. This, if you want the gospel in the nutshell of what the purpose that Jesus came for, it's right here in Luke chapter 4. And I want you to take note this morning. Take notes. If you're in a life group and you've already completed your series, I want you to take notes in case you want to use this because I believe this will be a great life group study as we, as we head toward the resurrection. As we head toward Monday, Thursday, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper here. We're going to do that here. It's called the Living Last Supper. It's going to look like Leonardo da Vinci came and painted all these guys up here. But we're going to reenact the it is I, is it I part in, in the, the Last Supper. So that's Thursday night at 7 o'clock. So the little commercial there for, the, for you. So we're going to look at six things that Jesus was mandated by his Father to do. Before the beginning of time. Okay? Number one is to preach the gospel. Number one, preach the gospel. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. Luke 4, 42 through 44. Now when it was day, he departed. That was Jesus. And went into a deserted place. The crowd saw him. They came to him. They tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must, I must, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Because for this purpose i have been sent number one he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor you know everybody's poor that doesn't know jesus we might think well he's talking about poor people well he could have been but i'm telling you if you don't have jesus you're poor you are homeless right i got a home i got a home in glory land you know i got a home this ain't my home. This is temporary. My citizenship, my name is already in the res. It's in the book. It's been written and read. It's in the book. 
So he'd been sent, he was sent to preach the kingdom of God. And he said, for this purpose I have been sent. And then Luke 7.22 said, uh, when John was about, remember John the Baptist after he had baptized Jesus, and then all the John's disciples began to follow Jesus. And then John was, man, he, he was like, he was, he was a pretty big mouth guy. Man, he got him, his mouth got him in trouble, and he got arrested, he got put in prison. And man, he's wondering, who, wh- where's Jesus? What's he doing? Why didn't he come get me out of jail? And so he tells his, the few disciples that he has left, he said, you go find Jesus. Remember that guy baptized in the, in the Jordan? Go find him and ask him, man, is, is, he, the really, is he the real, is, is he the Messiah? I got to know. Woo, he said, man, I'm, and, and this is what Jesus said. Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see. Hmm? The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. He didn't say... I, that the captives are set free because I don't think he wanted to give John any false hope because John wasn't getting out. And even Jesus said up until then, he, John was the greatest prophet ever lived up to in that time, in that day. So Jesus, number one, he came to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Number two, he came to heal the brokenhearted. Heal the brokenhearted. Here's another good Greek word for you, for heal. I love this. I had never researched this before because I've always, I've always looked at sozo. But there's a different word here in the Greek. It's not sozo for the word for heal. It's iyama. Say iyama. Iyama. Really good. Y'all doing good. You learned two Greek words today. Iyama. Oh, McDonald had a farm. Iyama. No. Iyama. Healed. He's talking about being healed. This word. Now, listen to what this means. Because Jesus always had, he always had, there was always more than one message behind the message, okay? There was always a dual message. And when Jesus spoke, it was not just about the physical, it was also about the spiritual. And this is what Iyama means. To cure, to heal, to make whole. That's great. That's the physical part, possibly. But then it goes on to say this, to free from errors and sins. Anybody want to be free from sin? And to bring about one's salvation. Yoma, that's not Yama. Yama means to bring about your salvation, your healing, your wholeness. It's, it's kind of like Sozo. God is a complete God. God doesn't do anything halfway. We might, but He doesn't. In physical healing, we see it all through the scriptures in Matthew 8, 16 through 17. And He's quoting Isaiah again here. He says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. Man, I'm ready for that to happen again, aren't y'all? Let's take them through four hours or four days of deliverance, and Jesus would just cast them out with a word. Well, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in me and you. And we need to be able to see the spirits, the demonic spirits, and say, out in the name of Jesus with a word, out. Get on out of here, that's right. Not y'all. And he cast the spirits out with a word and healed all who were sick, all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. Physical healing, spiritual healing. In Luke 19, 9 through 10, he said, when he was speaking to, to Zacchaeus, and he told Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to your house, because he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man, listen, here's his purpose. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his mandate, guys. That's his purpose. He completed the task. It's finished. 
Third thing, to proclaim, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. Turn, to, turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. See, he wants to set us free. I, I wish all Christians were, were not walking in, in some kind of bondage or something like that. I wish all Christians were as free as God says we are. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be awesome if we were all as free as, as, as who we are in Christ, as who, who he says we are? But he, that's his desire for us is to walk in freedom. John 8, 31 through 36, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Listen, if you're going to walk in freedom, you need to abide in Christ and in his word. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. Woo! Can you spell that? P-R-I-D-E? We've never been in bondage to anybody. I love to pray. I don't know. I don't love. I don't like to pray for people who said, oh, I don't need Jesus. I don't need that. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, because they're probably bad, bad, bad. No humility there. Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free... You shall be what? Free indeed. The Son makes you free. He makes us free, guys. We don't make ourselves free. The Son makes us free. The truth makes us free. Knowing the Word makes us free. Galatians 4, and this is the other thing He came to set us free from. Galatians 4, 3 through 7. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, there's that word, complete again, fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. I love this. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Say, I'm adopted. I've been adopted by God. I'm adopted by my Father in heaven. See, He's adopted you. When you came into the kingdom, when you said yes to Jesus, He adopted you. You cannot be unadopted. Mm-hmm. I, I have people, they'll argue with that all the time. But you know, the, even in, when the, the terminology that they used at that time, when you were adopted, it was, you, were, you were closer to, your, to whoever adopted you than the blood relatives. You, can't, you, could un, you could kick your own blood out of the wheel. Boom. But you could not kick your adopted child out of the wheel. They were always going to be heirs, no matter how good or how bad they were. I love the fact that we're adopted. We are not orphans. Hallelujah. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. We're heirs of God. Soak on that for a little bit. Chew on that for a little bit. Well, actually, you don't have time to chew on it. We're going to number four. To proclaim... I took this and, and added it too because that's how really it, that's really how it should say to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. But that's a separate one, I believe, to to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. I believe that God wants to heal us of blindness, physically and spiritually. All the time, Jesus is walking through. He healed people that were blind, but he really wanted them to see Him. He didn't want them just to see in the natural. He wanted them to see Him. He wanted the Pharisees to see who He was. And he was crying out to him. The only way he could reach them was like, be direct with those guys. Man, your, your father is the devil and you're, he's the father of lies. And that's your father. And he was, he was trying to, as, however he could get to these Pharisees to let them know, listen, you've, you've studied the word, but in them you're not going to find eternal life until you find me. That's what he said. 
We find Jesus, we find eternal life. Jesus said, for judgment I have come to this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. See, pride will make you blind of Jesus. Arrogance will make you blind of Jesus. The fifth thing he came to do is set at liberty those who are oppressed. Set at liberty, give freedom, set, give freedom to those who are oppressed. And this is, I want to focus on this one just a little bit longer. Because I, and if you're taking notes, this is, this is powerful. Because when we talk about being oppressed, we, we, again, we use our English language. It, it doesn't cover things very well, Misha. It just doesn't cover things well. Because like we say, we say we love and, and that love covers everything. You know, I love peanut butter, I love my wife, I love Jesus. And we use that word love so loosely. And we just try to cover. And here he says, we use the word oppressed. But let me tell you what oppressed really means. Because some of you are going to find yourself, oh, I know what oppression really is. Here it means to break. To break in pieces. To shatter. To smite through. Wow. How many of you have been shattered before? How many of you have been broken into pieces? We're not talking about a little, oh, I don't feel good today. Oh, you know, my grades weren't so good. Oh, I got fired from my job. I'm talking about really shattered and broken. Torn into pieces. He said, I came for you. I came for you. I can put you back together. I can set you free from that oppression. The King James says, them that are bruised. Listen, if you go to Isaiah 53, verse 5, I want to read this, and I want to break it down just a little bit for you real quickly. Isaiah 53, verse 5, this prophetic, prophetic announcement of Jesus Christ. But he was wounded. He was wounded. Say wounded. You go and find the Hebrew word for wounded. You know what it means? Way more than wounded. It means defiled. He was defiled. When I think when we see him on the cross, and we, we, it's a horrible thing. And I saw the passion for the Christ, and I, I believe they're going to show it next week in Resurrection Sunday at the Cinemark. If you've never seen it, you better bring you some tissues, a bunch of them. Because it's a more of an accurate depiction of what Jesus really went through than what we saw this morning. And I don't even know how to... I wouldn't show that one here with kids, uh, the passion, because it's just so the cruelty of, of crucifixion. But I want to tell you something. When Jesus was talking about being defiled, we see him with a loincloth on the cross. He had nothing. He had nothing. Talk about defiled. And shamed. Hung before the world to see. We give a pretty good picture, but if that wasn't what it was like, guys. He was defiled in front of all the people. And his mother... He was wounded, defiled for our transgressions, for us, for your rebellion and for my rebellion. That word transgressions can be more accurately said as being in rebellion. When you rebel, listen, guys, it's not, a, it's not a something to, just to wink at sin. Rebellion, when you say God says yes and you say no, and he says no and you say yes, you're rebelling against God. He went to the cross for you. Remember what he did for you, that he died for you, that he took the whip, that he took the spear, that he took the spikes, that he took the thorns, that he was, his beard was pulled out. All those things and the curses and the slander, he took it. He was defiled for our rebellion because of our rebellion. He was bruised. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. The iniquities, man, listen. Iniquities. You know what iniquity means? In, in the Hebrew, it means perverseness. Perverseness. We live in a perverse generation. Seriously. You don't have to look very far to find perverseness. And I'm not just talking about in the sexual way. We have perverseness in church. We have perverseness in the word. We have things that have been perverted. What God said is good, we're calling evil. And what God says is evil, we're calling good. That's perverseness. He was bruised, crushed for our iniquities, our perverseness, and the chastisement or the discipline. Listen, the discipline for our peace was upon him. And I'm going to tell you what peace means. You know, in the Hebrew they say shalom. Hey, shalom, 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 shalom. It sounds great. But listen, the word means also, it doesn't mean just peace. It means completeness. It is finished. It's been fulfilled. I've done what I've come to do. And the discipline on the cross was so that we would be complete, church. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. We've been set free. He came to set free those who are oppressed. Paul said, I mean, Luke said in Acts 10, how Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That word, therefore, oppressed means that the enemy is exercising his dominion over you. And he healed them and he cast out the demons, he cast out evil spirits, and he called people into the kingdom. He healed all who were oppressed, who were controlled by the enemy. And finally, I love this because this is the old, sometimes we just have the little taglines on scriptures. You know what I'm talking about? And we, we don't give credence to all the, what God's saying here. So I want to show you something. Where this is what God showed me this week. The last thing in those things that were pointed out to, that Jesus read that day in the synagogue, the last thing was this, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You know, that's the one we go, okay, we just kind of read it and finish up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Anybody, any preachers in here? You just kind of read some scriptures and you got, these, you got these really core verses and then at the end you just kind of go through that one real quick and you say, now everybody stand, we're going to have an invitation. Yeah. This one though, guys, listen. Some people believe it, and I believe this. I believe this after I've studied I believe this was a year of jubilee. When Jesus began his ministry, I believe this was a year of jubilee. If you don't know what jubilee is, go back and study it. Leviticus 25. Go read that after 50 years. If you had property and you couldn't pay for something and, and somebody had to, you had to give your kids up for slavery or whatever the horrible thing that you had to do in that span of years, at the 50th year, guess what happens? It was all given back to you. All given back to you. And you didn't have to pay for it. All your debts were erased. Listen, I want to tell you this morning, that's the picture, the final picture, the final nail is the grace of God. He nailed it to the cross. He said, this is what I want to give you. I want to give you grace. And we do not deserve what Jesus did for us. We do not deserve salvation, church. And he said, I want to give you some grace. He said, this is the year. This is the acceptable year of salvation. This is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can, by grace, receive by faith.
through, through grace that you can receive the atonement of the blood of Jesus Christ and be set free. You can be healed, delivered, fulfilled, completed in Jesus' name. That's why he said at the end of Luke chapter, uh, as he read this out to all the people, this is why he, he would say he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, he sat down, all the eyes were on Jesus. And he said, today, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now here's the deal. All the things that Jesus went through, all the things that we've read this morning, all the things that you've written down, all the six things that Jesus, his purpose was for, is also for you and I. The same mandate that Jesus had is the same mandate we have. Oh, but that was Jesus. No, he said he actually sent his disciples out to do the same thing he did. And then he sent his apostles out to do the same thing he did. After Acts, when the, when the Holy Spirit fell on him, he sent them out to do the same thing. And they went out and they preached the gospel and they raised the dead and they, gave, they prayed and people got their sight back and the lame were healed. All the things that Jesus was mandated to do. By his Father, he gave that mandate to us. He said, go ye therefore into all the world, all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples. He's called us to do the very same things that he was called to do. Are we doing it? Are we doing it? See, the story doesn't end there. Because just like everything else in the Christian life, God has called us to, we have to participate with it. You can say it all day long. Oh, well, I'm, I'm complete. I'm complete. I'm complete in Jesus. But if you're not, let me read the scripture for you. Colossians 2, 6. This is, you need to underline this and highlight it, whatever you need to do. Colossians 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him. So walk in Him. That's a lifestyle. Walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, because listen... The enemy, he wants to steal the word. He wants to steal the seed. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hallelujah! All the Godhead bodily dwells in Jesus. And here's the, here's the kicker. Here, here's the exclamation point. And you are complete in him. Really? You're complete in him. It's finished on the cross. And he said, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Am I yelling? I get excited about the word. I love it. I love to preach. I don't know if y'all know that. I love, I love to preach. But if I were just getting up here telling you some stories, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be uh, any good. But just telling you some nice things, narrating you a nice little storyline. But I believe this. I believe this. Guys, whatever you believe, you're supposed to live it. And when situations happen, Like yesterday, and tragedy happens, and there's no explanation for a death of a young lady that fell to her death. There's no explanation for it. I have to believe the word. I have to stand on his word. 
I don't have an option. I don't have a backup plan. God didn't design us to have a backup plan. He said, when you back up, you're going to hit him. Because he hits us in on every side. That's my backup plan. When I back up, Jesus is behind me. When I move forward, Jesus is in front of me. When I step to the side one way or the other, Jesus is there. And I know many of you don't know what I'm talking about, but there was a tragedy that involved somebody in this church. And it was one of those things there's no explanation for. And you say, God, give me a reason. He didn't have to give you a reason. Do you know that? It'd be nice if he'd email us occasionally, send us a text message, but he doesn't. He didn't have to. You know why? Because he wants us to trust him when it's good and when it's bad. When it's high and when it's low. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. And in our humanity, we might get low and sometimes we get really high. Sometimes we, we, we vacillate and we, 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 we don't know what we're supposed to do or what we're supposed to say. And, and all he wants us to do, and through, through all the things of life that we go through, and everyone in here, you have things that you've gone through. He wants you to know that he's, he's already said it's finished. I've already done everything I'm going to do for you. Hang on to me. Trust me. Believe his word. Live his word. Walk his word out. Even though it hurts. Even though it may not feel good, live his word. He, was, he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And you know what? God entrusted us with his word. He entrusted us with his Holy Spirit. Look at John 14. says, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. He said, the greater works are going to be happening in you because the Holy Spirit's in you. The Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead resides in you and me. It's finished. Don't ask him to do anything else, church. He's already done it. Just trust what he's already done. He's already done everything he's going to do except come back. And he's coming back. He's coming back. Will he find us faithful? Will he find us being the church that he's called us to be? Will he find us walking in him, rooted and built up and established in faith, abounding with thanksgiving? When's the last time you thanked him for stuff that wasn't so good? He said, in all things give thanks. Because all things work together for them that for the good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. I don't understand the all things part. Sometimes it doesn't. I said, God, how's this going to work? He said, just trust me, Harold. I'm in charge. Would you stand? We have our life group pastors and altar ministry team this morning. You know, we can stay late today because all the food's right next door. You're not going to have to go wait in a restaurant line anywhere or go cook something. You're not going to go have to put the uh, mac and cheese together in the little bat, you know, the plastic thing. It's all right next door. It's going to be a blessing and time of fellowship and fun out in the park. This is a serious time, though, guys. We live in serious time. We live in a perverse generation, the Bible says. We, we don't have time to, to mess with all that. We've got to be the 
We've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We've got to be empowered to do the works, the greater works that he's called us to do. So bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray this scripture prayer over you. I want to bless you today. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he, Jesus, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. Kind of a picture of the cross, isn't it? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Listen, this goes way beyond our knowledge. That you may be filled. See, he wants you to be filled this morning. I just speak that over you this morning, that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. All the completeness of God. All the wholeness, the the sozo of God. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul shall be filled with the fullness of God today. Saturated with liquid love today. Now to him, Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, to him, to Jesus, be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. So be it. So, Father, this morning, first and foremost, you came to seek and save that which was lost. And you paid the price for our freedom. So this morning, Father, I know in a group this size, there's somebody who's never come to Jesus and said, yes, I want to I accept Jesus. I want to confess Him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, you've never come to that place that you've said yes to Jesus, I want to ask that you step out and come and come to one of these prayer warriors at the front, one of the ministry team. Just step out and come right now. If that's you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I ask you to step out. I'm just going to pray faith over you and a boldness, a bold faith for you to step out. Swim against the stream of the world. Just come to this place of repentance, saying yes to Jesus. Listen, it doesn't mean you'll have it all figured out. It doesn't mean there won't be some difficult days, but I'm telling you, it's better to go through difficult days with Jesus than without him. The young man that was a part of the tragedy yesterday said, I don't know how people get through this without their church, without their family, without Jesus. I don't know. It's a struggle for him, but he's he's got his family. He's got his church family and everybody that we've just been gathering around him. So this morning, if, if you're not a part of the family of God, this is the most beautiful day for you to be become part of the family. If you just step out and come. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Okay, the rest of the invitation, the invitation is this. 
whatever your need is, you come for prayer if you need something today. And they would agree with you for God's will to be done in your life. It could be for healing, physical, emotional. You may be wounded today. You may be oppressed. You may be crushed. Your life might be shattered. But you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And today you just want somebody to agree that there's hope for you. And that they'll pray healing over you. They'll pray hope over you today. If that's you, if you need prayer this morning, just come quickly. Step out and come. Step out and come. That's when you come up here. All it, There's no condemnation. The enemy would like you to stay right where you are. And God says, now I want you to step out and come. You need prayer today. You, may, you need the wisdom. You need words of knowledge from one of these folks up here that have already been praying for you. If they didn't just step up here and go, oh, I think I'll come up to the front. They're, they're, they've been praying for you already in advance. That God would bring you to this place today to be restored or renewed, whatever healed. Whatever God wants to do in your life today, would you step out and come? Just step out and come. Come on. We've got plenty of people here to pray with you. A lot of people to my right, your left. You need prayer, step out and come. Come on. Come on. Step out and come. You need prayer, come on. Any other life group pastors that are available to pray with people? Come on up. Let's pray. Jesus. Maybe seated where you're at. You stay in an attitude of prayer. We still have a little few things to cover this morning so stand and add to the prayer and we'll be dismissed in just a minute to go to uh, fellowship hall